Welcome to Your Creative Chord Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Lee Hodgins. If you'd like to explore creativity, hear about other creators, or get more inspiring stories to empower you, Your Creative Chord Podcast is the place to be. Please join me at yourcreativechord.com forward slash get inspired here. Today's episode features my guest, Dr. Tara Sanderson, a licensed psychologist, author, and clinical supervisor in Oregon. Dr. Sanderson has been helping people learn the skills to live their best lives for more than 20 years. She recently published her book, Too Much, Not Enough, A Guide to Decreasing Anxiety and Finding Balance Through Intentional Choices. You'll find a link to her book and her website in the show notes below. I also wrote my takeaways after I read Dr. Sanderson's book through my blog, How to Decrease Your Anxiety and Live More Mindfully, An Empathetic Perfectionist Helps You Balance Your Life. And I'll post the link to my blog in the show notes too. I'm really excited to feature our conversation because Dr. Sanderson offers powerful strategies for those who struggle with perfectionism, overachieving, anxiety, or depression. I'm especially interested in sharing this two-part podcast about how her strategies for the issues we discuss relate to the creative process and the mindset of a creator. As a creator myself, I know being highly sensitive and dealing with the inner voice of resistance or critique are common territory for most artist types. So I think you're going to find my chat with Dr. Sanderson, her expertise and her new book are a great fit for your Creative Chord podcast. You'll find this two-part podcast helpful for nurturing creativity and inspiration. And this will post in two episodes. So this is episode one and stay tuned next week for episode two. So let's jump in to my interview with Dr. Tara Sanderson. Your new book is called, go, go ahead and tell us the title of your new book. Yeah, my book is called Too Much, Not Enough, A Guide to Decreasing Anxiety and Finding Balance Through Intentional Choices. What inspired you to write your book? I was in the middle of my second year in private practice. Um, I had left an agency and jumped into the pool of becoming my own boss and doing psychology on my terms and uh, was starting to start feeling like I wanted something else in my world. And I started listening to these business building podcasts that always tell you to start a course or start some, you know, other thing. And a woman came on and her name is Morgan Gist McDonald. And she has a company that helps people write books. And she started talking in her little seminar about how everybody has a book that needs to be written from their soul. And it's super important to help writers get those books out. And as she said it, I had that moment where like you see it on TV, where you just get sucked in and somebody's speaking to you personally. And I stood there in my kitchen and said, I have a book that needs to be written. I need to share these tips that I use with my clients every day with more people because not everybody can come in the doors of my office. There are people in other countries. There are people that are my friends and family that it's just not appropriate for me to share some of this stuff with. And it's so important that this stuff gets out there. So I actually contacted her and said, tell me all about what you do and how, how can we do this? And we worked together to produce my book. What is her business exactly? Her business is called Paper Raven Books, 
And she is, um, I guess what you would call a hybrid publisher. Okay. So you engage her services or you can do what I did. I took a course that she had created on basically how to do all this yourself and not have to pay her. Um, <laughs> and, and joined her Facebook group and, and got a lot of tips through all of that. But her company actually would walk you through the process from idea conception all the way through um, publishing and launching if you wanted to. Um, and so they work with you and give you timelines on when, how quickly you have to write. They have a book designer, or a cover designer, and all the editors kind of in-house wow. to do that for you. Everything you for you. To. Wow, that's wonderful. Everything for, everything for you slash with you. And the cool thing about it is at the end of the day, your name is on there as author, publisher, mm -hmm. marketer, all the things. And you just basically get to put a footnote in there that said, with the help of these guys. But once you go through it with them, they... Um, like they don't get any royalties off your book. They're not your actual publishers. It's a hundred percent yours. Yeah, you you paid them for the service of helping you do it yourself, basically. And yep. I, I want to ask them. Sorry to interrupt, but to interject, is this specifically for a hard copy paperback or hard copy, or is it ebook or is it both? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it is all of the above. It's however you want to get it out there. Wonderful. They are fantastic folks. I really appreciate all that they do. Is there anything else from your professional credentials or your work as a counselor that you would share how that influenced your book? How did that guide you writing it? I think that one of the interesting pieces of being a psychologist is, I mean, when, when counselors go into counseling, it's usually because they've had some sort of history that they overcame and they want to help other people overcome. Right. 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 And I'm a child of divorce. I had, you know, lots of drama growing up of, of parents divorcing. And mm -hmm. um, I definitely was a, a intense overachiever through all of my um, junior high, high school and college days and had this um, belief that because I was doing so good, everything must be okay. And I think through the process of writing the book, I ended up doing some of my own work, my own therapy through the process wow. of figuring out some of the things that I was holding as these badges of honor and then recognizing, oh, yeah, I don't need to encourage other people to live that life. I need to encourage them to say, you're okay as you are. Like, don't worry about it. I love that. So one example is the um, I when I went to undergrad. I went and completed my undergrad in three years instead of four wow. while working full time at a church about it was it was an hour and a half traffic wise in L.A. Good to grief. Get to and from my Holy moly. <laughs> right. It was insane. Um, at the time and throughout my history, I have held that as like, see, I can do anything. Superwoman. When yeah. the truth was, I didn't really experience college. Like if I look back now. Like I probably wanted to. There were a lot yeah. of things that I didn't do because I was so busy proving that I could do anything. Mm. I realized that I, I missed out on some of those experiences. Right, right. And so now as I was writing that book and I, I wanted to put this story in to be like, see, like this is why you should learn from me because I know stuff. <laughs> as I wrote those lines, I thought, oh God, that's not actually the lesson I want to teach in this. The lesson I want to teach is enjoy your moment do what is necessary, but enjoy the process. If you're not enjoying it, if you're not in in the midst of it, gosh, you're just gonna miss things. Right. And that's not and and that's not the life we want to live. 
I really like that. I mean, that is, as you mentioned from the beginning of that response, your professional work coming into the writing, but what qualifies you as a as a competent professional, besides all of your credentials and all of your education, is the fact that you have lived through the things that you're helping people, you know, deal with through this book. And I think that is an incredible caliber of authenticity that you don't often see, whether it's in a book or, you know, when you're learning from a teacher or even through therapy sometimes. That mm-hmm. it, And the fact that you have been there, done that yourself, I think is a vote for your, you know, for trusting you in in what you're saying and what you're doing. So, and I appreciated that because I read the book, as you know, (laughs) and (laughs) I could really tell that, you know, this is not someone and, and, and I've actually seen these comments, comments similar to this from some of the reviews that I saw on Amazon about your book. This is not, I did not get the impression that this was a person of authority telling me how I need to do things without relating to me. And in fact, Mm. what I got from your book was, and and now what your response just kind of explains that you understand being an overachiever, being kind of OCD about things, um, being kind of super perfectionist about things, because you've lived through that, and you've worked through that process yourself. And as you wrote that, you know, as I'm reading what you wrote in the book, it really did feel to me, as the reader, that you were side by side with me, not, you know, kind of higher than me, in a sense, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, for highly sensitive people and people who are kind of perfectionist, it's nice to feel that their counselor or the author of a book actually understands where they're coming from. So, you know, I really felt that from your book. And I think that's a a massive um, kind of feather in your hat (laughs) as an additional kind of credential. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I think part of that process, too, for me was learning that we're all still learning, you know, as I would write certain things, or even Mm -hmm. now, my husband will will gently nudge when I am putting myself in that in that black and white thinking, or I'm putting myself in this, like, it has to be this way. And he'll look at me and be like, well, what are four other options? And I was like, (laughs) dang it. (laughs) You're right. There are other options. Hold on. Because it is a process. It's not something you can just master and move on. This is your life you're talking about. That's really wonderful. Can you summarize the main message of your book and what you want people to know about it? Yeah. When I was thinking about the title of the book, I was working with a girlfriend of mine and we were kind of just reading through different sections and just writing down words that spoke out. And um, she she came up with, um, you know, that I had said too much a lot in the book And I had talked about not feeling like you were enough in the book. And when I put those two together, I came across this thing, this juxtaposition of feeling like what you're going through, who you are, how you navigate the world is too much. And yet you're not enough at the same time. And I think if I could give one message for the book, it is that through intentional choices, you have the freedom to recognize that you are enough just as you are. And it's not because of intentional choices. It's not because you're working really hard that you are enough. It's just you kind of take off all of those chains and those shackles of too muchness and not enoughness by just feeling confident and comfortable with the decisions that you're making. You are enough. Mm -hmm. I think many people probably want to pause here and listen to that again. (laughs) Because, you know, a lot of people don't feel 
that confident. And it's it's a big message for people just to think you are enough. So that's a that's a wonderful message to you know, and to reread that book and all the things, all the exercises and the kind of strategies that you spell out. Uh, they're great from my perspective. They're great practices to kind of drive that message home to get practice with it. I love Good. that. I love that summary. How do you use your book's message or the content or the strategies within it, or do you use those in your job, in your work as a counselor? I use them practically every day. Um, not only it, with my work with clients, um, I introduce sober to them, the, one of the tools from my book, or I talk about black and white thinking, because that's definitely a huge element of how I navigate the world. Um, but I use them for myself in between sessions. Sometimes I will feel this internal drive to be like, I want to eat everything in between sessions because I'm stressed <laughs> or I'm, right, you know, I'm right. just like overwhelmed with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I have to take that moment and be like, you know, everything technically is available. I could eat whatever I want, but what's going to be in line with who I am? What's going to be in line with my values? What do I really need? What am I craving? in that space and just really like hone in and and look at that section of sober, which is the observe both inside and outside of you. What's going on outside? Was it a stressful session? Am I feeling too cramped in my day? What's going on? And then what's going on inside? What do I need? Because I'm going to guess most of the time it is not bags and bags of chips that I need. It may be that I need <laughs> to take a moment and stretch in between session or drink more water or just breathe, right? right? Like, or send a quick little note to a good friend of mine where I'm connecting in a different way. One of the things that I think um, people don't know about therapy and therapists is that therapy is, it's a pretty lonely job. Mm-hmm. Although you are meeting with people all day long, you're not ever sharing your side of the experience and your side of what's going on in your life with any of these people. So one thing that I've had to learn in my practice is building in time during the day where I connect with other people who care about me. Mm, good. Not that my clients don't care about me because they really right, do right, and they're lovely, right. but, but other people in my world who know me personally and who connect with me in that way so that I don't feel that void at the end of the day of being like, I've talked to people all day long, but I never once connected. Right. Um, and it's, and that has been such a lifesaver in me making good choices between sessions. Right. So I think using the tools that I've, I have put in there, not only for making sure my clients have them, but in practicing for myself every day. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Your Creative Chord Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Lee Hodgins. If you love this content, please join my mail list at yourcreativechord.com forward slash get inspired here. That's your creative chord. C-H-O-R-D, yourcreativechord.com forward slash get inspired here. No spaces in between anything. And if you join my mail list, you will be the first to know of new content. Plus, you'll get my free checklist of top 10 things to help you reach your goals. Whether you're a creator or looking to explore your creative side, this checklist will help you prioritize and focus for results. That's yourcreativechord.com forward slash Get inspired here. Back to the interview. Do you use these strategies specifically with your clients as well? I taught the sober skills three times yesterday. 
um, because it was as we were talking about how somebody was re- reacting to a problem which they couldn't solve, or one another person was really trying to figure out how to how to how to take a moment before she answered something impulsively. Mm-hmm. We just got in there and said, well, let me teach you sober. Here, take this piece of paper. Let me walk you through creating it. Now let's practice it together and really making sure that they get a good feel for it before they walk out and try and do it themselves. Having that moment just to learn how to take a moment to respond, as you mentioned, to observe what's happening in your world and what's going on as a response inside even being able to recognize that having someone like you to guide people, guide them to be able to practice that um, skill of taking a moment is a huge, a huge advantage for dealing with stress. There are people who have not yet read your book. So can you just in a nutshell, tell people what you're talking about when you're describing sober um, techniques in your book? Absolutely. So I came across this technique from a, uh, a mindfulness training. Um, he used the acronym SOBER, S-O-B-E-R, and each letter coordinate, or coincides with a word. So S is for stop, O is for observe, B is for breathe, E is for examine the options, and R is for respond. And the way that this tool is used is you get an opportunity to take some time before you have to make a decision, before you are um, caught up in the in the midst of your autopilotness sometimes <laughs> to make sure that you are doing what you actually number one want to be doing, what you feel good about doing, and that are matching your values. And that way, you're not making decisions that you ultimately later then regret. I don't know about you and your audience, but I struggle sometimes with making decisions <laughs> yeah. that I ultimately regret. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, I think everyone does making, at some point. <laughs> right. So making these decisions using this tool, stopping the thought right when it happens or stopping the decision right before you end up doing it, taking a second to look around outside and inside, make sure you're thinking about why am I making this decision this way, taking some good deep breaths to give yourself some space before you make your decision, coming up with five options instead of one so that you feel like, okay, if I'm going to make this decision, I have eliminated other options that, that would have made sense too. And then you pick one and whatever one you pick, we kind of, we put together this weighing test that whatever one you pick, you're going to pick it non-judgmentally and you're going to pick it fully present and you're going to do it on purpose. So it's not a haphazard, oops, I ate a bag of ruffles. It's a more intentional, like I chose to eat and fuel my body with this thing. And so that also happens to be a bag of ruffles. As long as you can <laughs> do that non-judgmentally, like go for it. Right. I'm not going to stop you. But if you start judging yourself and saying, oh, I shouldn't be eating this, stop and start again at the top and make sure you're continuing to make the decision in a way that feels intentional. It reminds me of a Buddhist quote from uh, Daisaku Ikeda talks about it's very uh, in sync with mindfulness, basically, be where you are 100 percent where you are. So if you're choosing that option, I love how you first of all, I want to back up and say I love how uh, your strategies and you talk about this a lot in the book in great depth and in different situations. And that, I think, really helped me as a reader grasp how to function, how to use this strategy. So I appreciate how that was laid out in the book. But I like the idea, especially that you your strategy kind of leans or helps people lean away from 
making extreme choices or black and white choices. And I like how you um, offer the, uh, you know, creating more than one. Actually, how many did you, you had four or five options, right? We do five. Five, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's a lot of options for people that are typically black and white thinkers. It's a real new skill to learn how to even think that there might be more options. <laughs> you know? yeah. So that's a good practice. And, um, and I love how once you have them, or, or even if I, if I use your skill myself, you know, once I've chosen the option, I like the idea of sitting with it and giving it a valid reason. Why did I choose it? And being okay with that choice. That's yeah. a, I think that's a big part of what, what came across to me, at least. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think that that makes all the difference when you are able to, and not, and not justify in the bad way, like making it an excuse for, but justify in the good way of like, if anybody asked why I made this decision, I would feel confident in my answer of telling them. I talk about this, actually, I, I run a group for new clinicians who are getting ready to start their private practice. And we're ta- we talk about fee setting. And this applies to your creatives oh, as well. Yes, I would believe. thank you. Yeah. Like, yeah, we, we, we sometimes evaluate what we are selling, whether it's a product or our service and time with our value, how much Mm -hmm. we value that. So people could look at me and say, well, I have a doctorate, I have two master's degrees, and I've been in the industry for 20 years. Therefore, I should be technically expensive, right? (laughs) Like with all of that, clearly, I can charge a lot of money for what I do. Mm -hmm. But the value to me, like I'm not, I don't know that I would walk out there and say like, sure, I charge $500 an hour. I don't, by the way, but like, <laughs> I don't know that I could say that even with a doctor and two master's degrees. Like, I, I don't know that I can evaluate it that way. So the way I teach them how to set their fees is you take your, your personal budget, you take the budget that you're going to run your practice on, you take how many hours you want to work per week, you take how many year, weeks there are in the year you want to work. And you do the math and you come out with a number and whatever that number is, you can now justify because if I say that number is $200 and somebody looks at me and says, well, why are you worth $200? I look at them and say, it's not about my worth of being $200. It's about the fact that that's how much money I need to take care of the things that I do. It's very practical. Yeah. Yeah. Very practical. It takes that, that piece that makes it about me away. And I think that's the same thing that sober does when we make a decision and we can sit with it and say, can I do this non-judgmentally, fully present and on purpose? And if the answer is yes, I can defend that to anyone. I'm making this decision because I've walked through it. I've walked through the steps and I know this is the right one for me. Right. Would you say those three steps again, taking away uh, being non-judgmental, fully present and what was the third on purpose. On purpose. Thank you. Those are mm-hmm. uh, those are big points in your book. And y- I know we're just kind of uh, quickly answering, you know, and, and back and forth in this dialogue. But the ideas here are pretty uh, intense and um, can be quite deep for people who aren't used to not being judgmental towards themselves, for example, or not being fully present when they're wolfing down an ice cream <laughs> yes. know, package or whatever. So take... Uh, the three thing, the three points you said again were, be able to be non-judgmental, be fully present, and on purpose. Yeah. Right. So one of the one of the pieces that I ask usually at the end of introducing sober to people is, 
okay, let, let's take a look at this acronym. Let's take a look at the weighing test. What's going to be the hardest part for you in here? Mm. And a lot of people say non-judgmental. Yes. They look at me and say, Tara, how am I going to stop myself from saying like, oh, was this the right decision? Was this the wrong decision? Right. And I look at them with a very simple answer and say, you go back to the beginning. If you have a doubt, go back to the beginning and start again. Stop. Observe what's going on, both inside and outside of you. Where is the... Where is it coming from that this might not be the right decision? Is that your voice? Is that a mom voice in your head? Is that an old teacher voice? Like, where is it coming from? That inner critic sometimes, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's hard to pinpoint and it. Then, yeah, and then breathe and go through your options again. And if you still come out with the same decision, give yourself a moment to say, wow, I identified that was an inner critic. Right. That, and just those words mean that guy's probably not right. And it's okay for <laughs> right. me to make a decision. Without his judgment. Right. It's funny because, um, or interesting, because I just spoke with a female composer, writer, poet recently, and she talked about this, as many creative and all humans pretty much deal with this, often this inner critic voice. And she described it as just one of many you know, voices in our psyche. And uh, I liked how she kind of took the perspective of it's similar to what you're talking about. If it, once you go back enough times to the beginning of your sober technique and you get, I guess, more, um, more present with what's happening, you okay. start to recognize, Oh, this is an inner critic. And her point was, then you have a conversation with it. And like you just said, if it's the inner critic, then we know that guy's probably not right. Cause he tends to be negative. <laughs> like they'll yes. find the worst scenario. Okay. So I like that. Um, you know, finding that that way of looking at it as just a voice that you can counter with, you can reason with, you can have a little back and forth to figure out where it's coming from, first of all, and then kind of addressing it. And anyway, so um, very similar to what to what you're talking about. So once someone is going through that, they've gone back, they've gone back to the beginning, if they're if they're really overwhelmed by something and they can't seem to get to a place of non-judgment, they go back, they start again, they stop, they observe what's happening outside and in the situation within themselves. Then they finally recognize this is, oh, this, this must be an inner critic voice. And then, like you say, breathe, then what? Like, how, how do you, um, in the sober process, how do people deal with addressing that inner critic from that point? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would look at your five options as being, I can listen to him as one extreme option and say, great, I'm going to listen to him because clearly he must know what he's talking about <laughs> and go with whatever option he's throwing out. I can completely ignore him and do the opposite of what he says. Mm -hmm. And then your three kind of middle grounds would be, I'm going to analyze where in the in the ideas, did he come up with this? Like if he's saying, Terry, you're not worth $200, like you should never charge anybody that money. Um, mm. there, one of the options would be have a conversation with yourself about where did that come from? Where does he think he's getting all of his information? Where's the truth inside right. of that? Another one might be, I might call a friend and ask and say, wait, am I out of line here? Where, where is this coming from? I'm feeling like I shouldn't be doing this thing but I also feel like that's wrong and I should be doing it and I'm wrestling. So I might right. call a friend to ask them for some support or I might decide, hey, I'm going to put this decision off for a little bit until I feel more confident in whatever it is that I'm going to do. I love that. So those are five options I could take and then I choose one of those based on being non-judgmental, fully present and on purpose. 
Oh, I love this. I want bumper stickers now with all of that. Non-judgmental, right? <laughs> fully present and on purpose. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Your Creative Chord Podcast. I'm Jenny Lee Hodgins. Stay tuned next week for Episode 2 with my guest, Dr. Tara Sanderson, a licensed psychologist, author, and clinical supervisor in Oregon. You'll find a link to her book and her website in the show notes below. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help me by leaving a review on iTunes or share this link with your social media. You can also forward the link to this podcast by email to your friends. Thanks for helping spread the word so your Creative Chord podcast can continue bringing you inspiring interviews and stories. And if you loved this content, please join my mail list at yourcreativechord.com forward slash get inspired here. You'll be the first to know of new content, plus you'll get my free checklist of top 10 things to help you reach your creative goals. If you want to explore creativity, hear about other creators, or get inspiring stories to empower you, please join me at yourcreativechord.com forward slash get inspired here. Thanks for listening.